everybody. Welcome to a little Sonic Talk special. This has kind of come about rather uh, swiftly and impromptuly because uh, I've been talking to uh, Rob Puricelli. He posted something on uh, on Facebook Live yesterday where he was looking at uh, a Fairlight. He's got a Fairlight Series 2, uh, Series 3 even. Am I, am I right? There's... Hey, Rob, how three. are you? <laughs> a Series 3. I'm very well, Nick. Rob, uh, Rob Puricelli, uh, who is, you may know as Failed Muso, he comments under that and he's also got a blog, he runs the, <laughs> or has run the Reason, is it the Reason songwriting competition for quite some time as well, right? Oh, well, that was a while ago, um, but it, th- th- those things still carry on without me, so um, I like to you think st- I inspired in generation. Excellent. And um, what's really interesting about this is, is um, you know, Fairlights, as we know, are very rare and you seem to have one. Uh, in your possession so could you I've explain three, three? Well, wh- why and how what, what's that all about then <laughs> are you a multi-millionaire okay, so, <laughs> no i'm anything but and i think you'll find that most Fairlight users are well apart from uh bt who bought one from us a little while back um but uh no so my my history i've always been uh, a fan of the, the machine it, you know I, I remember seeing it probably like you did when you were a teenager in the early eighties, I'm assuming. Um, and just kind of being mesmerized by this mythical white machine that made amazing sounds and did fantastic things. And we probably all saw the, the tomorrow's world documentaries and, and that kind of thing. And then I was just kind of fascinated by it. Never, ever thought I would get my hands on one knowing that they cost upwards of 50 to a hundred thousand uh, dollars or pounds or whatever. So didn't really think much more of it. Um, and of course, in this modern internet age, I managed to get in touch with other people who shared similar uh, leanings. And um, completely by chance, one day, I get contacted by Peter Vogel, who's the inventor of the Fairlight, which to, it, it's like Mark Doty getting a, a phone call from Bob Moog. It, it, it had the same impact on me uh, that he c- contacted me and said, would I like to help him work on the Fairlight CMI30A and the iOS app, to which I said, yes, uh, very quickly. What do you want me to do? Um, And he said, I'd like you to film some promos, uh, do some text and blurb and kind of marketing stuff because that's similar to the sort of thing I do for a day job. And so that's, that's where that contact started. And then through that, I met a guy called Peter Wilk. And Peter... Uh, is an English guy, but has lived in Australia for decades, worked at Fairlight from the get-go pretty much right up till the end. And when the end happened, Peter bought um, job lots of Fairlight components and parts and systems, half-systems, knockdown prices, and has since made um, a reasonable living, I should say, out of restoring them and putting them back into the market. I got an email um, about four years business and come through saying rob i've got a fair light in lincolnshire would you go and collect it please um i i'd really love if you could help me restore it so again i didn't need to think about it i said yes fine um went to pick it up from peter's friend in lincolnshire who's a guy uh, who's called kent brainerd who um did a lot of series three work back in the day lots of soundtracks and tv shows was also a member of a band called and I never get this right. It's not Dream Academy because that's another band. Drum Theatre, I think they were called. Okay. Very minor band. Very minor band. Anyway, um, long story short, 
I go and pick it up, bring it home and proceed with Peter's assistance from Sydney in Australia to, to start restoring it. So it's, you know, doing lots of investigative work, cleaning up. The machine was in a really sorry state. It had been stored at Chris Hughes' studio in box um, in its flight cases, but in one of the stone outhouses that Chris has there. So it had succumbed to uh, probably 20 years of damp, uh, very fusty smelling. But surprisingly, the bulk of it was in, in reasonably good condition. There was a little bit of corrosion here or there. So that's how I came to be in the possession of this. And it turns out it used to belong to Ian Stanley of Tears for Fear. So it has some nice provenance there. And uh, when you flick through the discs that came with it, there was lots of references, references to, to Ian's work with Tears for Fears, Lloyd Cole, Brian Adams, Propaganda, and, and a few others besides. Let's not so, forget uh, Aha. Yeah. <laughs> and Aha, yes. I don't think, I don't think this one was uh, used. because I think Aha was a little bit later, but... Certainly, I, when I looked at the discs and there was Bad Man's song, um, which is off the uh, the Seeds of Love album, which was where Ian and Tears of His parted company. So it's kind of um, a, a rare thing to have, I guess. Um, but yeah, there's lots of other stuff there. But unfortunately, all on 18-inch floppies and no functioning floppy drive to test them. So they're in storage. Ouch. Yeah, and also, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, floppies don't last at the best of times. I mean, you know, it's bad enough with magnetic tape. I don't know what floppies. I mean, I've got a load of old floppies, but I don't think, I haven't got anything to test them with either, but I can't imagine they probably work. And that sort of dreadful noise yeah. they make now, we're sort of thinking something must be broken. Yeah, we, we haven't even bothered trying, um, to be honest, which is a shame because, you know, there's a a little kind of gold mine. And if you are a, a fan of, you know, Tears for Fears or the like, um, then... It, it would uh, it would probably throw up some some gems, and we've also got the original Winchester hard drive that was in here as well, which you know weighs literally weighs a ton and is about a foot by a foot square and about nine hundred and sixty megabytes, which was vast back in the day. Yeah, that's huge. Um, so yeah, um, again, corroded. Looks reasonable, but we haven't dared power power it up, and we probably probably won't yield anything from that anyway which is which is a shame but yeah so it was kind of um looking worse for wear and a bit sorry for itself so it's gone through an extensive cleanup um so is that is that something that that you've done your is that something you've done yourself then i mean is that or has it sort of farmed out various aspects of that to you or uh, uh, to other people no virtually everything everything has been assembled and cleaned and you know pulled out and reset here the only assistance I get is from Peter. I say the only assistance. He's he's absolutely brilliant. He's based in Sydney, and he has a, a stockpile of all of this stuff. And um, he'll grab you know cards from old machines and and, and re uh, you know, repair them and, and rework them. Um, he builds new components. So, for example, the the maximum mega memory on on this was uh, fourteen megabytes in the day. We now have a thirty two megabyte. Whoa. Um, card that goes in there that uses regular modern day memory so it adapts modern day memory into a, a card and that's something that peter's uh, put together um so what peter does is he sends me uh, the components that i can't do here and and literally you know because the fairlight's a fairly modular thing it just you know you swap an old card that's... out put a new card in <laughs> I just have this vision, like it's like uh, like you see in uh, blockbuster movies, where you get this. It's remote control bomb disposal, where you get a complete sort of novice. <laughs> yeah. So, which wire do I cut? Which wire do I cut? And then Peter's on Skype, kind of going, "Yes, it's that one, that one." No, oh god, you know. 
yeah. <laughs> it can be very much like that. But obviously, with the time difference, we don't get too much uh, Skype time. So uh, a lot of it's by email. Um, you know, he'll list step by step instructions, and he's absolutely brilliant. He'll take photographs and and everything. So I've learned, you know, a lot about these things. I, I would not profess to be an expert in any way. Um, but I certainly know how these things fit together. And I must say, I have had a, a little bit of external help from uh, a colleague of mine in, in my day job who has an electronics degree and he does all my soldering because so, he's got much better skills at doing that. So any resoldering he does. And he also did this fantastic job because um, there's about uh, about nine or ten fans in the CPU. And there are three main ones that sit at the bottom and then uh, blow air through and come, comes out at the top here. And yeah. those three fans uh, had originally, they'd gone a long while ago. So when, when we first powered this on, it, everything would start and it would go for 10 minutes and then stop. And then um, we discovered what it was. It was just overheating and blowing a fuse every time. So we had to keep replacing the fuses and, until we got the fans fixed. Um, but uh, Howard uh, managed to locate three modern day fans that were the exact same size as the ones that were fitted in 85 um built them into the the caddy that they they sit in and they this thing blows a lot cooler than uh um, quiet a quieter i imagine as well right quieter but still not perfectly quiet unfortunately because that's just the way these things are but um brian tronto bt um heard about this this fan assembly and he's pinched the um the idea off of us for, for his one which we in turn supplied for him anyway so um yeah that's brilliant i mean i mean coming back to the original fair i mean the fairlight is like you say it is a very iconic instrument and you know it, it was it was that and the uh synclavia weren't it? i mean I, i'm looking here at the page uh the series series two was about 25 grand original price 1982 so Fairlight Series 3 was 1985, but that went 16-bit and stereo, and that was between forty or 60,000 quid. So, it, I mean, that's it's just an uh, yeah. insane... I mean, there, there is no kind of modern-day equivalent instrument that that costs quite as... I mean, I suppose, you know, a, a System 55 rebuild, perhaps, but there's no, there, there isn't a modern equivalent of an, ex, an instrument that costs that much, you know, in equivalent terms, really, no, is there? The only thing I've I've ever encountered that does what a Fairlight did for the similar amounts of money is the the Kaima Capybara. Um, I think I've got the name right. It's that massive kind of big black box of just magic, and it makes some amazing sounds. Um, but that was a few years ago. I've never never seen anything since. But you know, I often you know when I talk to people about this, and I I do often, much to their disappointment, you know, <laughs> this isn't just a synthesizer it isn't just a sampler this is ground zero for making music with a computer there was nothing like this before really certainly commercially available there was nothing nothing like this at all um and so you know it, it's it's just um it's uh, yeah it's a pretty impressive thing and therefore you know back then it, it nothing there was nothing like it they could charge what they wanted and they were all hand built as well so um yeah it was uh they are expensive, and they're still they still hold a reasonable value. Yeah, I was just looking also at the uh, the webpage and and just looking at apparently this had dual Motorola six eight zero nine CPUs, which ran at a whopping yeah. forty uh, 
40 uh, megahertz and where obviously we're now up to kind of gigahertz speed CPU. So, I mean, what they managed to squeeze yeah. out of this thing is also pretty surprising, isn't it? I mean, I get, I, get, yeah. I, guess, I'm, I guess the code must have been very efficient to be able to do this. I mean, even though it looks like a whole box, you know, big box of tricks, right? Yeah, it's a very small footprint. I mean, we're talking less than 100K for the operating system, I believe. It's Crikey. so, yeah, it's so um, minuscule in its footprint. And like you say, the, the, the two core processors, uh, 6809s, and then every voice card has its own processor as well. So I think there was the 6800s. Uh, so, you know, you've got this multi, multi kind of processor environment and everything's doing a job. And that's why these things get so hot. And especially if you had the old memory in here as well, the old, old style memory used to get really, really hot and used to have like, a megabyte card for or a two megabyte card and it would just the, the heat would be insane from the processing and the uh, the memory power so are they uh, are they actually kind of you know in the same way that the cs80 is legendary for if you move it it stops working is the fairlight similar or is it built to built to higher tolerances because people used to tour them and stuff didn't they yeah um i've to be honest um they they are built like brick outhouses. Um, you know that it's you know solid metal construction. There's there's no plastic in here at all, apart from you know the the, the keys and the buttons. But you know as far as the um, the mainframe is concerned, it's it's a metal. You see the black um, outline there is, is metal, solid metal bars, and then each panel is solid sheet uh, steel. I think um, you got a front panel on the back, and then everything at the back is you know each card, each output card is uh let me show you have something here so ev- everything is is just fashioned out of the, the highest quality materials you know um you know so this is a, a blanking plate from the back um let's bring that so yes yeah. yeah it's just solid solid metal um so each each of those output cards are constructed that you know they they are, I, I would not move this um, without a lot of care, um, but I would say that you, you could probably, you know, skin the flight case and, and, and it would be okay when it gets to the other end. You might need to reseat a couple of the cards, but again, you know, that's not a, a difficult thing to do because you just drop the front panel down and there you go, it's, it's there. So um, I think for its time, it was pretty sturdy. I think by today's standards, no. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm guessing, you know, the thing is you obviously got this out. I mean, you presume you get this machine. Do you, is it, is it loaded? How do you handle the, the actual sounds and the storage and stuff? Because obviously you're not using those massive old hard drives. I mean, what is it that you're now using for, for that? Okay, so originally um, and up until very recently, we were using just regular uh, three and a half inch uh, SCSI hard drives. So, you know, the similar sort of thing that you would get in, uh, a computer but obviously the scuzzy versions um with a scuzzy adapter because the the series 3 used scuzzy um an early version of it anyway so it was very simple to 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 use those in there so we had a a one gigabyte um not one gigabyte yeah one terabyte even um three and a half inch scuzzy just sitting in there i think it was a seagate or something um but what of course we found is and everyone has found over the years is that um certainly in the recent years is that we can now stick everything on micro sd cards or, or <laughs> sd cards and so the the insane thing is now that this system is running from a micro sd card which you know is this tiny you barely see that um 
and that's you know that's a 16 gigabyte card that contains the operating system and all the libraries that we supply with this um and it you know it costs tenner or you know however much that costs um and although it's not it's not as fast in terms of data transfer that's not an issue with a fairlight because obviously it's a slow machine anyway so um by today's standards you know that's probably not the most ideal way of doing it but by fairlight standards it's um it's pretty good okay so uh, that's what replaces uh, the um Oh yeah, I've got a picture of that here as well. This is this is the kind of like yeah. uh, they use these in uh, Akai samplers and stuff that used to have floppies, didn't they? Yeah. You could just stick an SD card in. It's a SCSI adapter. You get these from who's it? Uh, CodeSRC.com. And uh, I know quite a lot of people who are touring who maybe still using samplers use those. Or it, it, indeed, you know, it's much easier, obviously, because then you can do backups and all of that stuff, right? Oh yeah, and you, you just create an image uh, uh, on your desktop, and then you can just you know create one of these cards really easily and and that just bolts in i mean what we do is on the uh, the black square area that you see on the mainframe there that's just a face plate and this screws onto the the rear side of that with a small hole at the front just to pop the card in and out should you wish to but there's no point in removing it i mean you've got 16 gigabytes of space you're never going to use that on a fairlight ever i don't think um and yeah, these these have a little USB port on there as well, so you can go in and you can run a configuration tool to to set them exactly how you want them. They cost a uh, hundred Australian dollars, so it's about sixty UK uh, pounds, and um, wow. and that's it. So that that entire cavity there that used to house all this um, heavy, expensive, and noisy heat generating equipment is now just a, a big empty space. Somewhere where you can put your lunch or, you know, maybe... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe an 80s <laughs> gear. Body, yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, we have to, uh, you know, one of the things that we've set up here is the ability to hear it because this is fully functioning now. I mean, uh, uh, it's fair to say this, this mm-hmm. is functioning. You're kind of awaiting for a, a final buyer to, to turn up and and, uh, and do the deal. But so you've been uh, you've yeah. been enjoying the fruits of your labor, right? Uh, yeah, uh, but only briefly, really, because it has been a long process, uh, unfortunately, because of the distance involved and um, the, the availability of certain components. The biggest problem we had was the uh, the actual piano keyboard and the mechanism on that had taken the brunt of corrosion and uh, was um, uh, very corroded uh, across the, the hinge mechanism. And we tried all sorts, you know, we, we literally stripped it back. Uh, to all the components, cleaned it, oiled it, fitted it back together, replaced every single spring, replaced every single rubber, uh, key, you know, key return rubber, straightened all the metal work, put it all back together, and everything seemed to work for about 10 minutes. And then after a while, it kind of settled and said, uh, no. And so lots of keys started sticking again. So what we've actually done, so that we can get this into the hands of uh, our pros- prospective customers, we've actually fitted a Series 2 keyboard mechanism, which uh, under the hood is exactly the same um, in terms of the, the the electronics, but the, the mechanism and the actual keys are, are slightly older. So the old Fairlight Series 2 had this kind of rounded edge front to the keys, and the Series 3 has the more uh, kind of traditional uh, kind of lipped edge to them. Right. So other than that, it's the same kind of thing, but it, it all works. So, yeah, there was a lot of... Um, uh, drilling of extra holes to fit this in because it's slightly different size mounting, um, but we got there and it's fitted and it's only now been you know fully operational now for the last few days. 
and then it'll be gone um, fairly soon. So, well, we better have a listen then. Have you yeah. got a sound dialed up that we yeah. can take a look at? I have. Let's just hope uh, the audio isn't too... Uh... That's the, the very famous um, R sound or Syrah, depending on which, which version of the library um, you, you went for. Um, because the, the Fairlight Library is very organic. It was not like it is today. Uh, basically, Fairlight supplied you with a factory set of, of, of sound. And then, you know, for example, Thomas Dolby would get hold of that and create some stuff. And then he'd send that into sydney and they'd add that to the library and then send that out with the next batch and and so right. it's very organic and nothing was ever properly catalogued um but this 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 voice is you know it's kind of um i, I can't play it but you know you, you recognize that from you know tears for fish yeah. shout uh, uh, and, uh, and also uh yeah, yeah. Um, noise yeah yeah it's you know moments in love it's all over that you know, it's, you know, it's this wonderful ethereal kind of pad sound. And it was recorded in 1981. And it's a lady called Sarah Cohen. Uh, she provided the original root note. And then that was stretched across the entire keyboard. It's like that. And, um, yeah. Um, and then that became known as A-double-R or R. And then Sarah, S-A-R-A-double-R. And then sometimes it's called Sarah. But, you know, it all depends on the version that you get. Uh, we're looking at the screen now. Is that a list of the the kind of library of what's on the entire SD, or is there kind of uh, a bunch of different sort of uh, directory structures and what have you there? Yeah, it's a pretty standard um, directory structure. So let me just close that now. So when when you boot up, you get the directory page. Uh, you have a list here that you can see um, of all the folders, and then it's just a simple case of uh, scrolling down to the one that you want. And then just uh, hitting the open button. Because obviously this is in the days before we had a, a, a mouse, a, a, a graphic, um, a graphic interface. And, and it takes a little while to load, like, but not um, as l- takes a little while to load, but not as long as it used to. Is that the progress bar across the top? Oh, there we go. Right, yeah, I see the top left hand corner just there when it flashes. That that's telling you that it's uh, accessing the drive. And then, yeah, you've got basically, as you can see, I don't know if you can see on your screen, you've got 11, um, 11 pages in this particular directory. And it, it really is a case of just using the keys to scroll across and find the sound that you want. You can, if you want, um, use the, the pen on the tablet. As you see, there's a kind of a crosshairs there. And then you can go and click on that and then come down here and click on the load button. For me, it's just easy using the keys. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can so imagine. I think we all recognise this, <laughs> which is the, <laughs> the classic, you know. <laughs> I think you, I guess you had to be alive at the time to know that that was used on everything. And, uh, yeah. So that's Stravinsky. <laughs> It is uh, Stravinsky's Fibers. And the story behind that sample, um, this is from Peter Vogel himself. Peter Vogel went to see David Forhouse and um, was showing him the CMI. And Peter, uh, sorry, David said, well, how, how does this sampling work? And so Peter said, well, you take an audio input into the back here. You feed some audio in. And then 
the, the system processes it and maps it out across the keyboard because at the time you could only sample a very short amount and only one sample, and that was then stretched across the entire keyboard. Um, yeah. So, and this is, this, is, this is the gospel truth. Peter goes to a record box. He pulls out a record. He didn't choose it. He just pulls out Tchaikovsky, uh, sorry, Stravinsky's Firebird Suite, puts, on the, puts it on side two, I think it was, and pl- uh, puts the needle on the record, uh, presses sample, and the first thing he hears is that opening chord and if you listen to, uh, you know, you, you'll you'll hear it in there. And it was this. <laughs> and when it cuts off, that's the end of the sample time. And so that's how it got into the library. And, you know, Vorhaus was like, oh, wow. I could do all this wonderful stuff. And, and Peter kind of realizes, because this is the wonderful thing about Peter Vogel. He's the most unassuming, um, unaffected man you'll ever meet. You know, he, he didn't know half the people who were using this. He just He just wanted to create something that was technologically wonderful he didn't really think about superstar usage or anything like that of course it could only be afforded by superstars back then wow. so so yeah. i can't we got um, we've got to have we need a sort of greatest hits now robbie because uh, i'm i'm interested in <laughs> i'm going to want to test my musical knowledge and see if we can recognize any of these samples right okay so um there's a couple more in the um in this because these are all series 2x uh, samples so um, the, the Series 3 could read all the Series 2 stuff as well. That's the old Ooh. Koto Bend, which was quite... Is that, uh, was that that Corgis? Everybody's got to learn sometime, possibly? Yes, could very well be. Um, I worked on a remix of that record. <laughs> oh, right. You see, it's... But it's amazing. The other thing, when I've been investigating Fairlights and, and who used them and, and where they were used, it's amazing to find out some of the people, you know, obviously you've got your Trevor Horns, you've got all your big producers um, that were using them. But then some of the, the more obscure ones, um, the not, the not so obvious, like you say, you know, the Corgis or ZZ Top did an entire Fairlight album pretty much. Um, it's it's just incredible, you know, who was using it and, and what they were using it for. Um, so here's another one that you will probably recognise. Which is the Swanee, uh, the Swanee whistle. Very, very suited to short samples. <laughs> yes. Um, Thomas Dolby used that a lot. Um, China Crisis, King the Catholic style. I don't know the exact notes, but it was kind of something like that. Um, so, yeah, there's there's obviously there's all of those kind of famous sounds. The, the dog bark is in there, the first ever thing that was digitally sampled. Um yeah, um, so that we've also got lots of other libraries in here that we've accumulated legitimately, of course, uh, from various places. So we've got some of Hans Zimmer's stuff in here. We've got uh, JJ Zalek, Peter Gabriel, Pet Shop Boys, um, some stuff from Lilliard. So that's Mel Wesson and, and his stuff. Roger Bolton, I think we have some stuff in there as well. So, yeah, um, let's see. JJ Zalek always throws up some very recognisable 
stuff. He was a very well recognised uh, Fairlight programmer, wasn't he? I mean, he was also part of Art of Noise. Oh, is that yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. So he he originally used to work for for Trevor as part of his production team, um, and JJ along with Gary Langan and Anne Dudley and Trevor worked originally on um, the Duck Rock album. Um, you know, Malcolm McLaren's Duck Rock. Right. That then spawned them, that got them into the Fairlight. That then spawned uh, some production work with Yes for 90125. So Trevor brought those guys in to help him with that. And it was some of the outtakes from the Yes sessions, particularly Alan White's drum, uh, drum sounds, that JJ, Trevor used to say, um, if he didn't like something, he would demand that it was just cut up and thrown away. But JJ wasn't like that. JJ took it fed it into a Fairlight, started messing around with it. And that's how you got the classic Fairlight, uh, sort of the classic Art of Noise drum sound, that very kind of gated sound, because that's Alan White's drums from Yes sampled and, and just mangled a little bit within um, within the Fairlight. So I think probably the, the most recognisable JJ sample, and there are many. Dum, 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 dum. Dum, 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 dum. Another classic yeah, art of noise there, right? Exactly, yeah. And there's just, I mean, I'd love to go. I still haven't been through all of this stuff um, myself because um, there is so much here. But there's just, there's, there's stuff that's um, just very simple things like vocal samples. <laughs> and then, you know, there's guitar loops, um in here as well. This must be a long one. <laughs> yes. Well, the thing is with, with the Series 3, because um, you had 16-bit, 44.1 kilohertz stereo sampling, the, the sampling time was much increased, and therefore you could now multi-sample. With the Fairlight 2, it was a single sample um, and stretch. And the reason why the Fairlight 2's samples don't sound overstretched i mean they do have that about them but it's the the actual processing within the fairlight that compensates for all the aliasing and the 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 artifacts that you get when you do that and it reprocesses the sample through the voice cards which is why the voice cards have their own um uh, own processors so yeah you've got all sorts of uh, win wonderful things in there. Um, of course, you, the, the Series Three library, the actual factory library from from Fairlight themselves, was uh, highly regarded and much sought after. And I still get um, asked today, if, "Would you mind doing me a copy?" And unfortunately, we can't because it's you know it's copyrighted still um, through through Fairlight. As they are, I guess, because they've they've been acquired. The the, the present day fell. I got acquired by Black Magic. Um, That's right, Black yeah. Magic design. Uh, and much to my disappointment, I actually started using one of Black Magic's products, um, DaVinci, for some work that I do during in my day job as uh, video processing. And the mighty Fairlight has been reduced to a tab on this screen where you drop down and it gives you some audio processing options. And that's where the Fairlight name has now ended up. Uh, it's funny. Well, cause Fair, Fairlight became, uh, uh, after this, they became this, the, the, the kind of, uh, core of really high end, uh, film and TV, 
uh, dub systems, didn't they, for sort of sound effects That's and right. laying off multiple tracks. I mean, I guess this is sort of probably just before before Pro Tools took a hold of the market. I mean, and even so, I think there are still yeah. I don't I forget the name of the system, but there there were a lot of uh, big Fairlight multi-track systems that were designed specifically for working with uh, move audio to picture, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, up until yeah, the last couple of years, but. Um, it's my understanding that that company was getting into more and more financial trouble and, and therefore they were kind of a prime takeover for, for a company like Blackmagic. But um, a lot of the hardware is still kind of produced, you know, rebranded. So um, Fairlight, uh, modern day Fairlight produced a, a DSP card called the Crystal Core, which was stupidly powerful um, DSP card. And actually Peter Vogel used that um, in the, the, the 30th anniversary commemorative edition that he did a hundred models of um a few years back so it used a crystal core card because that was the only dsp card that was capable of recreating the exact environment of these older machines faithfully uh you know Ah, so it was like a bunch of virtual dsp in there presumably that kind of thing that was then yeah wow gosh it's amazing yeah okay he got um yeah so yeah another sound please maestro oh of course Is there a way? I mean, can you favourite this stuff? Because I mean, you're just presented with this massive screen of text that sort of is rather impenetrable in this particular screen, right? No, No, there there isn't really a way of doing that. Which you know is uh, you can create, um, you can create, you know, song uh, sequence files and put put your your favourites in there, so to speak. So you can load these things up and. Um, as long as the the path is 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 accurate, then we've got a lot of um, sequence pet shop boys and real, but they need reassigning, and it's a very lengthy manual process. Which is why back in the day there were people whose sole job was Fairlight programmer. You know, yeah. that's all they did. You know, people like Andy Richards and JJ Jigzalik and and Roger Bolton. You know, they they, they were employed just to do all of that heavy heavy lifting. So. <laughs> Highly, highly usable. That's quite long. Uh, yeah, it's quite a quite a big one. That, but then some of the um, the string samples in oops, one too far. Um, the series three string samples are still quite um, sought after. So let's pick a few of these. So how many multi-samples can you get in a kind of sound set? You know, how many key zones can you actually achieve in this? I mean, you know, I'm just thinking in terms of what we expect today where you end up multiple. Not only do you get key splits, but you get velocity layers and stuff. I mean, how deep can you go with that? Not massively deep. Yeah, you can get, um, I mean, I've got samples on here that that are probably sampled at every minor third across the entire keyboard, maybe. So you probably get maybe 10 to 12 multi-samples in a voice. Um, I'm not sure if you can go higher than that. Uh, and certainly when it comes to velocities, um, you know, you can have a, a number of velocities, but you're still fairly restricted because even with this, this is running 32 megabytes of RAM. So yeah, you, it's you're going to hit that it? ceiling really, really quick. Yeah. Yeah, some, some really high quality. I mean, 
high quality by by those standards back then. Um, it's quite Mellotron like in that respect, I suppose, isn't it? In many ways. Yeah, and a lot of people used it, and you know, they literally pro- programmed lots of different loops or chords, and it, it, you know, it would just hit one key at a time and, and have it loop. And um, you know, there's lots of uh, lots of different ways of, of using it. You know, the the thing is, is because it, even back then it was a temperamental machine and still is now by today's standards. Again, um, you kind of rushed to get things done before it overheated or, or went um, kaput. Um, and a lot of the time, you know, this, 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 this box would be in another room. Yeah. Which is why uh, Fairlight supplied really, really long cables for everything. So you, you throw that into an air conditioned room somewhere and leave it and then just have your monitor and keyboard set up as you, as you have here and, um, and put that in. So let's see what we've got. So this is um, Petrop Boys. Um, and they have a whole bunch of stuff in here that's... I've even got Neil Tennant sampled in here somewhere, um, doing various things. So that's, a, you know, that's a fairly familiar... It's funny, isn't it, when you think about it in these terms, you know, these, these sounds, when you listen to them on your own, on their own, it's just like, yeah, but it, it, in the context of what you could do back at the time, it's just, it, it was the sort of pinnacle of what was actually feasible. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing that's sort of hard to, to imagine. And I guess, again, you know, it's such an iconic instrument. Just having that itself is, is, mm. is quite an a, a, um, exciting prospect. Yeah, and uh, I mean... What still attracts me to this, because, you know, I'm, when I do when I do my music, which isn't very often, but when I, I do it all in a single box in uh, I use Reason, uh, which is obviously now much more useful to me that it, you know, it runs VSTs. And I can just sit here with one controller, one computer, you know, one thing. And I do everything in this thing. It's nice and simple. And it's quick. And I just click on something or drag and drop it. But it still doesn't quite have the, the character of something like this. And a lot of people will say, um, you know, my late friend, Steve Howell uh, would often say to me, why the hell do you want a Fairlight when you can do that on an iPhone nowadays? And it's true. You can, but the, the character of the sound isn't the same. The, the sound that comes out of the outputs of this has a quality to it. You know, it's like anything, you know, it has you know, a mixing desk. A Neve has a certain quality that an SSL doesn't and vice versa. And it's, it's, it's much the same with this. Um, and also, it's probably more so with the 2X because of its limited capability that the Series 3 is obviously much more advanced and the samples are 16-bit, so you don't get the, the crunchy character that you would normally get. But there is nothing really quite like this. It's why they're still very much sought after. And it's, it's an icon more than anything, you know. It's, it's an icon visually, stylistically, culturally, musically it uh, it um it still holds that mystique you know um these are the pet shop voice strings which they use pretty much on everything (laughs) 
Which yeah, scary. I I, mean, I think I recognise that uh, that that haunting quality. Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, I, I suppose the thing is also, I mean, you know, legendarily difficult to use. I mean, how are your chops coming on in uh, in Fairlight OS now? You've actually had the <laughs> opportunity to spend some time with them. Uh, still badly. Um, I was looking at so, for example, um, let's call up. So. I think everyone, if, if you talk to somebody about Fairlight and say, oh, yeah, that's the, that's the machine you could draw the waveforms on, um, which was pretty much a 2x thing, um, you can, of course, do something fairly similar on, on here. But they cleaned it up uh, a little bit. So this allows you to um, see waveforms in, in a three-dimensional manner. That's like FFT, right? Yeah, that's yes, the FFT. So you can you can then take this and uh, you can draw um, your own points on there. You can draw waveforms and and then have it calculate the difference um, between the start and the end waveform. You can apply effects in here. You've got flanges, reverbs, chorus effects that are built into the the software. Um, this is where I really start to say, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> haven't even had a chance to to learn this. Um, so it, uh, I also imagine, you know, you do that. How long does it actually take then for it to process the results of your drawing? It must be quite a considerable amount of time given the speed of the processor. Yeah, I was messing around the other day with, um, with just drawing some points on there and having it work out the process, and it, it kind of slices everything up. It took between 30 seconds and a minute to process the work that I'd done. Right. And yeah, like you say, you know, um, by today's standards, you know, it's like click. Why isn't it done yet? <laughs> and there it is. Um, whereas back then, you know, a minute to, to do this was nothing, you know, because they'd never been able to do it before. So yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. Do it overrode that that um, that fact. Um, so I've just got to wipe that there. <laughs> and the other thing is is that it's not a, an intuitive. Certainly not for me, anyway. It's not an intuitive. Um, uh, operating system because it is all key presses and you know you get so used yeah you, you really do have to unlearn a heck of a lot from what you're doing with a you know with a, a regular daw uh, when you come to this because you know most of it is key presses and you have to work out you know the combinations and, and the, 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 the key code so um things like you know sysr which is my kind of get out clause for everything is um, it's you know, does a system reset and gets rid of all the voices out of memory so I can start doing something again. Um, and it's all those key codes and those. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's um, funny, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like mass. You really have to just kind of figure. Have you got any more sounds that uh, that we might recognize that we could perhaps uh, have a listen uh, to if you can get out of the mode that you're in? So then it's back to listing the hard. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, there's just such an ecosystem around this. And like you say, there are all these people who are sort of employed as fairlight specialists. Because I'd imagine most creative artists are not necessarily going to want to sit down in front of this because it's a bit like uh, operating some uh, Space 1999 uh, uh, technology, really. I think if you look at those that did spend the time, people like your Thomas Dolby's, who invested massively in learning this system because he was a one-man band essentially and and he spent a massive amount of time learning this and becoming an expert on it 
Um, but then you look at the, vol- the volume of his output, as significant as it is, he's not incredibly prolific. You know, he has... <laughs> didn't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you have to think, was that the reason? Because then you get other people like Pet Shop Boys who would employ people like Blue Weaver, um, who obviously played with the Bee Gees and others, um, uh, people like Pete Gleedal, who would do all of this stuff for them. So if you actually go on YouTube, you find that clip of the Pet Shop Boys on, uh, what was it, um, Old Grey Whistle Test. Their debut, their UK debut in the, the Old Grey Whistle Test. And they've got this bank of TV monitors, all with the Series 2 screens, you know, the green on black screens. And they're, they're kind of, Chris and, and Neil are, are, you know, playing opportunities, I think, and, and maybe uh, later tonight. And they, you know, it all looks so effortless. But behind all of those screens, uh, Blue, this, this exceptional programmer and musician, is running around like a mad thing, making sure that everything's synced up in time and working and they've got a redundancy system ready to kick in if that goes down. And so, you know, behind the scenes, there's a guy sweating his doodars off. Making Trying to make it work. That's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's... Um, it's funny. I mean, studio love, studio owners must have loved it when people came in with fair lights because you would have spent, you know, I mean, you charged <laughs> by the hour then, didn't you? So, you know, you just go in and there'd be somebody probably trying to find how to do something for a couple of hours. That's, you know, another couple of hundred quid yeah. on the bill just because they're trying to figure out how it works. And, and a lot of the, um, uh, the studios, the big studios would, would buy one and, and stick it in there and employ somebody to manage it. And then sell that as a as a studio add on. You know, come and record with us. We have a fair light. You can hire the programmer for you know however many pounds a day. It was a selling point. It was like you know have, it was like you know nowadays you you would sell a studio on the type of desk that it has or the, the type of room uh, or the the type of you know Pro Tools version that you might have. Back then it was hey we've got a fair light. Come and see us and, and we'll do that stuff for you. So um, let's see what we got here. Heart. Heartbeat, beat. Which obviously is Pet Shop Boys from Heart. Heartbeat. So you've got these, these these little gems that kind of pop up every now and again. You go, oh, here's that. Um, we've also got, you might, this one you'll definitely recognise. Um, let's close this off. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm really conscious that it takes me ages to... Um, no, it's, I mean, I think this is something, you know, even that, but this was even considered to... I mean, this is presumably faster because we're not loading off drive or, or, or floppy, God forbid, right? Exactly, yeah. So this is much faster than it was and quieter because you don't have that chugging sound of the uh, the disk drives trying to load each of the, um, the samples up. So you have stuff like this. Um, sure. So is that is that uh, samples or page the the legendary page R? Um, yeah. So what's 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 happened here is obviously Peter uh, Gabriel upgraded to a series three and took uh, loops from the, the series two, which he used on tracks like San Jacinto, um, and then just you know now he had the ability to take a loop and stick it into the sample and then just have that loop triggered rather than having a whole page R sequence. 
with all the um, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, parts. I can. Sort of lateral thinking of the way to use the technology to to yeah. kind of make it easier to use, right? Yeah, exactly. So eventually, you have that. Sort of Gamelan vibe. Yeah. And of course, you know, any any kind of Peter Gabriel fan will know that's, you know, that's San Jacinto. And that's just the, the root sample. I think it's played a little bit higher and faster in the um, in the original. Um, so, yeah, and you've got, you know, all that kind of stuff in there as well. And um, some of the other stuff that's in is quite interesting is, is this concept um, that was prevalent at the time, but is virtually unheard of now, where samplers were sampling samplers samples and samplers so you would have somebody with a fairlight would hear say the the water phone or the the strings from a, an emulator too and say well i'd love that but i've got a fairlight that's on the emulator so he'd find a friend who'd got an emulator and they'd sample it and so then you'd get that sound in in the fairlight and that would propagate through everyone's library somehow and vice versa we, you know if you look through the emulator library there are obvious fairlight samples in there yeah, and, and well, so, and the Akai's as well. The Akai's used and to get you get a yeah. lot of Fairlight stuff in the Akai's, wouldn't you? Yeah, and this was what was what we were doing back in the eighties. Is that you know the legality of all of this was still very much up in the air, very grey area. So everybody just kind of sampled the hell out of everything else. But samplers were oft, often sampling other samplers, and then you get this kind of confusion when you start talking to people about the history of a, of a track and a, a, a particular sample. So, you know, the shakuhachi from uh, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer at the beginning of that, you know, yeah. that's originally an emulator two sound, but you can find that very easily on, on many Akai libraries. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Just, and, and the only reason for that is that Peter Gabriel dumped his emulators, went to Akai's and said, I want my sounds in these now. So it was a case of just sampling those into... Oh, that job. Uh, yeah. Well, you, yeah, yeah, I've got this great gig. I'm just basically sampling samplers. Wow. What's it like yeah. in terms of latency? I mean, how responsive is it? I mean, for like, is there a... Because a with a lot of older machines, there's this sort of, you know, delay in, in, in triggering and stuff coming out. Does it, does it actually have a kind of fixed delay or is it pretty snappy? In terms of playing the keyboard, it's pretty snappy. It's it's actually very good. There's, there's I've not noticed any delay. The only kind of uh, delays and and lengthy experiences you get with one of these is, is when you're you're loading, you know, when you're doing disk access stuff um, and loading sounds into memory. But once they're in the memory, it's it's really it's pretty good. And I've I've hooked this up to to Reason um, and had a sequence playing in Reason triggering this. And I don't notice any any significant latency whatsoever. So. How are you triggering it then? Has it got a MIDI interface? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Series Three came with came, came with the MIDI cards in the back as standard. Um, the Series Two X was the first to to feature MIDI because the original Series Two didn't have any MIDI. The Two X and the X denotes the addition of the the MIDI interface at the back. Ah, and then okay. the Series Three came with uh, this has got uh, three ins, three outs, so it's. Uh, whatever that is in 48 part multi timbrel, um, and that you so, could get 48 yeah. parts out of it if you're um, uh, if you're very uh, meticulous with what you're anything too big and you, you, everything starts to drop because it's like you, you, your thresholds are very very low uh, 32 megs. So how many voices? How many voices did it could it actually run at? You know, assuming you had the short enough samples, how many voices does it actually is it capable of? Um. 
do you know i don't know the exact polyphony it, you can put in let's see um Go to so so I I think at the moment you're, you're looking at sixteen note polyphony, right? Per okay. Voice, per voice per voice within an instrument because the um you've got as you can see on the screen you've got this 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 is your um uh, your sound configuration page. So the way that the structure works on a Fairlight is that you have a voice and then you have an instrument that contains multiple voices. So you can have, um, so for example here, it always takes the, the first voice that you've chosen as the root name for the voice. And then you, you put in your own polyphony and then you choose your audio router output. So you can either take uh, an individual output from each channel at the rear. So you'll have if you've got eight voice cards, you'll have 16 cables if you're running eight channels, eight, eight stereos. Um, or you can have a router card that gives you three times eight outputs in this fashion. So this is how you can see that on the camera. You've got eight individual audio outputs, and that's just one uh, cable that fits in the back. So you can have three of those. So you can assign uh, 24 audio outputs. Ah, okay. Uh, Gosh. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's kind of it's restrict, restrictive in some ways and flexible in others, um, and of course, it all makes you know starts to things start to come down in terms of capability once you start using stereo samples and the larger samples you use. You know, all the, the stuff that we used to have to worry about, but no longer do. You know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, this is you know, the, the samples in here were you know meticulously sampled so they're as they're as small as they needed to be to sound good whereas nowadays you know people just record and just hit the note and just go 20 seconds right that's fine because everyone's got the space to to, to store that um which is just for me that's just uh it's lazy but yeah so um well, perhaps yeah. perhaps what we could do is uh, just have a couple more sounds, and then have, uh, then we'll, we can kind of wrap up because yeah. uh, obviously this one's going to be leaving the building, and uh, and this is the last chance you get to that. Presumably, all of these sounds in here are kind of accumulating, and they get, every time you 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 pass on a fairlight or one gets sold, you know those sounds go with it, right? That's right. Yeah. So we have you know rights to to distribute the libraries that we that we put in here, um, or should I say, I see we Peter does does all of that work. Um, but certainly in the last couple of years, that library has expanded and we've, we've got more sounds in there now than we had a couple of years ago. So as, as and when we find that material and um, get permission to use it, we add that in and, and you get that as part of the package. Really. So, um, yeah, uh, once this is gone, uh, like I said at the top of the show, I've, I've got two more downstairs um, that are lined up you know, to come up here one at a time. And the next one is a, is a Series 2X, which is the one that I'm excited about because that's the, um, for me, that's the definitive Fairlight. That's the one that, that made all the difference. Um, so, yeah, this will be going fairly soon, I hope. And uh, we'll get some money in the bank to go and crack on with the next one. Wow. So, yeah, as I said, perhaps uh, if there's a... If there's a couple of other, maybe some classic. They, I, I, before the show, you were show, playing a couple of loops. I don't know if they're allowed to go out there in terms of uh, what you can play, but it just we we might be able to recognise them from uh, from some classic tunes, yeah. right? Absolutely. So um, let's just. So, uh, what's your favourite folder of sounds, then, Rob? 
I, I think because of my propensity towards the um, the two X, it's the two X library. I think you know that for me contains the um, the, the most uh, recognizable, familiar, and kind of inspiring sounds. But as a huge Peter Gabriel and Pet Shop Boys fans, those libraries pretty much stand out. And of course, anything that um, sounds like it came out of Psalm Studios uh, is good with me too. So um, yeah, there's. Uh, I, I would have to say the two X library is still. Uh, still my favourite one. Um, so let's see what we've got here. I think, if I'm not mistaken, some boys from Birmingham are in this one. So it's just lo- this is loading up presumably a bunch of different samples, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, Isn't that Vangelis? Vangelis? Yeah, John Vangelis, that one. And then we've got... Please, please tell me now. The reflex. Is that for you to a kill? That's for you to a kill. Oh, you're right. Again, you know, this this is. I say the 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 original loop for that was designed by Nick Rhodes on the two X, and then you know, using the the power of the series three, they could actually create an actual single key loop. You know. A bit of a noise there. Yeah. Who's that? That sounds very Depeche Mode-like. It does, doesn't it? Which is odd, because they they really didn't like this, or Martin Gordon. They used emulators, didn't they? That's right, yeah. And Synclavius. Hold on. Wasn't that Uh, Missy Elliott? (laughs) Get your freak on, get your your freak on. There's all sorts of, of weird things in it, and, and the, the bizarre thing is that a lot of these, uh, a lot of those loops, are in the Pet Shop Boys folder. So, um, quite why they, they'd be sampling uh, that stuff, I'm not entirely sure. But it's probably just to kind of acquisition. Some people, I mean, I remember when I had an Akai, I just used, to, you know, the more discs I had, the more creative I would be. Obviously, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> anything i mean that's almost yeah i think that's that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a single a single patch across the whole board there's actually um there's some really um, i'm trying to remember where they are now um so. I could just imagine now, if you wanted to organise your library, you could kind of rename them all and have them sort of listed with, you know, dots in front or starting with A or starting with one. Well, but just even that, that, even that process itself must have been an absolute nightmare. And, and what happens is that that, that nomenclature, that, that labelling system is only relevant to the person who did it. So when somebody like me gets to have a look through it, I have no idea what some of this stuff is um, is, is about. So it's... Uh, yeah, it, it could be a, um, a good thing and a bad thing. It's so funny. It's just so, so, so different to kind of <laughs> flipping presets, isn't it? And the way even loading massive exactly. contact instruments is quicker now, isn't it? It's astonishing. Oh yeah, it's. Um, I was just trying to find there was some really nice um, some clavier samples in here, but um, 
I'm struggling to remember where they were now. But yeah, I mean, there's there's all sorts of um, gems in here. I, I still go through this. Even the other day, I, I was going through this and, and finding sounds. Oh, that's from such and such a place. So uh, yeah, it's um, in itself, it can be a, a really uh, interesting experience. Um, like sort of digital digital archaeology. Yeah, it very much is. And I would really love to sit down and go through every single one and kind of map it out. And, and... Well, Rob, thank one. you for sharing this with us. I mean, it's been a real kind of uh, joy just to have a look at, uh, at some of this. And obviously you could spend hours. Oh, what's that one? That what was, was a... that? Ah, oh, the Shakuhachi. That's the Shakuhachi. Could be the very same thing. Play that. <laughs> Almost certainly, yeah. Or sort of fifth so, generation. Of. So what happens now? So you know, for it, so now the next the next one moves upstairs. I mean, are you kind of the sole restorer of this kind of stuff, or are there teams of people kind of oh. feeding these out into into the eager hands of people who've got the cash? There are, yeah. There, there's there are a handful of people around the the world that are doing this sort of thing. So Peter. Um, the most popular ones because of his association with Fairlight in the past. So he has you know, boxes full of components and is able to pretty much kind of put his hand on anything. Should anything, you know, anyone want something. Um, there's a guy called Jean-Bernard Imond, um who is in France, who does uh, uh, a lot of this. He's, he really does a heck of a lot of stuff. Fairlight's emulators, Synclavier's. Um, he works with Jean-Michel Jarre on a lot of his old collection as well. Um, so if you watch a lot of, um, you know, Native Instruments did the whole thing with Jean-Michel a little yeah. while back, and he talk, talked about the Fairlight. That's, if you look at the, um, uh, the, the, the screen of the Fairlight, it's actually got um, MU Studio, which is Jean-Bernard's uh, thing in there. So there's him, there's Andre in America, who's currently working with BT um, on, a, on a project with his Fairlight. Um, so there's not many... And I certainly, I'm at the bottom of that that ladder. You know, I, I just do what I'm told. Whereas people like John Bernard and people like Peter and Andre, you know, they, they go down to component level and they, you know, they solder stuff and program stuff and write bits of code. And, you know, John Bernard came up with the original um, SD card uh, converter, uh, which you can use in uh, a Fairlight, you can use in an emulator and anything else that kind of you used to use ancient floppy drives. So there's there's not many people about um, that do this as a service. Uh, there are there are some people that do this just for themselves and for their own benefit, but there's there yeah. very few. Um, and there's not many of these machines kind of around anyone. I mean, they never built that many originally. There's only a few hundred of all series. So series one, series two, and the variants of that, and the series three. There are only a few hundred ever built. So they kind of get when one dies and goes to Fairlight Heaven, um, we, we do a transplant and, and move bits around. You know, there's some bits in here that came out of uh, the Series 3 that I've got in the garage that, you know, I needed parts for. Um, but there's also a, a small kind of cottage industry of, of manufacturers or, or individuals that, that do little limited runs. So, for example, you know, the, these SD card drives, um, the door hinges. Okay, so on the front panel of this, you've got, door that comes down which reveals all the um the cards inside 
the little plastic hinges are incredibly brittle, certainly after 30 years, and are usually the first thing that'll ever break. And we were running out, literally, in the world. We, we couldn't find any old Fairlights that, that were willing to give up their hinges. So, again, Jean Bernard in France went and got, got some 3D printed, such as technology yeah. nowadays that we can That's do that. Excellent. So excellent. we now have a, a, a consistent supply of one of the, the most fragile pieces that we can just, you know, call upon and get for a few pence each. And, and there you go. So, and, you know, things that, that Peter does with these drives to replace old systems – uh, drives and uh, you know it's getting to the point now like with most old things that you can replace some things because they're just not made anymore so you have to either hand fashion them or cannibalize them and eventually you're going to reach a point where yeah you haven't got anything left to cannibalize and then eventually they'll all kind of die out which is a shame but um, this is what we try and do we try and keep them going for a, at least a few more years yeah Brilliant. Robbie, thank you so much for sharing this with you and uh, with us. Uh, it's been a real pleasure and for playing us some sounds. And it sounds like, you know, you, you've also got plenty of time to continue to enjoy uh, exploring those libraries yourself. Um, where would people, if somebody's thinking, you know what, I fancy one of those and they've got the cash, what do they do? Because there's someone they can contact. Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Um, well, they, they can contact me um, and I can put them in touch with, with Peter in Sydney. Um, and I, or if they're, you know, depending on where they're located, um, I can probably put them in touch with the right person, either in, in North America or Europe or, or in Asia, Australia, that kind of neck of the woods. Um, so yeah, uh, you can get in touch with me or you can, um, uh, go to the fair. There's a Fairlight CMI Facebook page, which is kind of an unofficial thing, but it's, um, it's operated by, you know, some of us, I, I don't have anything to do with the operation, but I'm certainly a member there. There's also a Yahoo um, group. Do you remember those Yahoo mail groups? There's, it's still fairly active over there. So, right. um, yeah, it's it, all I would say is if you are looking to buy one of these, be wary of going to places like eBay because um, you're, you're never going to be sure of the, uh, the condition of that if you're buying online. I would always recommend going to see it and, and play with it first have deep pockets not only for the purchase of the machine but also for potential upkeep costs um and if you are looking to ship it it's incredibly heavy and very fragile so it's you know it's it's fraught with danger but um you know if, if you're able to to cover those shipping costs and um you know certainly in the winter these make great great central heating so <laughs> it's a bit like classic it's a bit like classic cars in many ways i suppose isn't it so uh, yeah just tr- think it's exactly of it like that. that it's exactly like that which is why i keep trying to flog one of these to dave spears because i know he's you know he, he leans that way to restoring very old things that are probably a pointless with restoring but he has a love for them but he won't have any of it oh well uh, robbie thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure uh, we'll uh, see you all it's next time that uh, that that's been great thank you ever so much um, well, uh, that's Good. it for this uh, Sonic Talk special. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for watching.